It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker! Yo, man! Boom, it's Rusty! Welcome, everybody, to the Public Access Podcast, the podcast here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN, with other great shows such as When the Gloves Come Off, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast, This Is It with Lizzie and Saved by the Ben, sponsored by Stoner Eats Productions, Fred Ben Savage as fuck, Hypnosis is Great, Hardcore Comedy, and Sock'emUp.org. You guys, this is my second podcast today. Things are a little different from my Thursday, but we're going with this podcast right now. So. That's good. That's good. We got it. We're going. We're on a roll here today. So I'm going to bring in my special guest right here, right now. Right here, right now, we have Stuart Brody in, who can probably hear me right now. I don't know when the sound cuts in. So I try to make it <laughs> a little slower when I do the actual part. But now, when he gets here, he gets here. And it's uh it's how it is so apparently well you know so guys uh let me tell you about uh some other stuff so you guys you guys know about (laughs) what am i going to try to sell you on what kind of stuff what kind of stuff you guys want to get hypnotized do you need to get hypnotized you should hit me up you can just go into the show notes you can cut a hold of me I'll hypnotize you. I'll hypnotize you until Stuart gets here. I think there might be something, some issue, but I'll I'll hypnotize you. You can get hypnotized for a lot of things. You can get hypnotized to think that there's no there's no space here. We're just going right into it. But you can also get hypnotized for a lot of other things. It goes well beyond not smoking, losing weight. A lot. A lot. Man, I hope things work here. It says joining. (laughs) So uh, I hope that's what's working. But yeah, you guys. So thank you again for being here up here on, on the Public Access Podcast. Well, before you even get into it, what you should do is pause it for a second, hit like, hit subscribe, get the little bell ding, bell, bell, ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Oh, there we go. There we go. I think we have Stuart. I think we might have him. He might be here. I've had this happen, too, where the sound doesn't go. So it could be something with that. But... Uh, that was my Saved by the Bell for that Saved by the Ben shout out there. Anybody Saved by the Bell fans? We probably have some. We probably have some Saved by the Bell fans. But 
you guys you guys know how things work it's it's good old fred do i got some is that shadow or i got some armpit saturation on my shirt i don't care it's kind of warm and i can't go outside because we have the red sky of death right now from canada and they're they're gall darn trees gall darn trees coming down here and taking our gerbs You know, it's okay. Um, I hope I can. I hope I can get Stuart. Maybe, maybe I can text him. Be like, "Yo, dude, everything okay, man?" See if I can text him here. See if I can go. Do you need me to start this over? Wait. Oh man. Do you need, do you understand the words that come out of my mouth? Do you need me to start this over? Okay, so that's been sent. So maybe, man, maybe I shouldn't have put him in that waiting room. But you guys are getting all kinds of content here with old Rusty. I swear there's a guest coming on. I swear it's not just a made up person. Maybe I can try calling him on my phone. Maybe that'll work. See what happens through the through the thing. Just dead air. Like, hey, do you need me to start this over? Do you want me to? Okay, yeah, I'll start this over, I guess. And uh, do you need a new link? Okay, I'm, I'll leave it up. Yeah. All right. Okay, so maybe he's coming back. Oh, there. Okay, he signed off. Usually you have to start your computer over. That's what I've had to do a number of times here. So you never know what's going to happen on the podcast. You might just get a rant from old Rusty Diamond here. The Thursday afternoon rant about, you know, you know, things. So... But yeah, I'm I'm happy to get Stuart on there. He ended up being uh, a wacky uh, availability here. Uh, uh, an anomaly of a Thursday afternoon recording slot opened up. And yeah, Stuart, uh, I was, saw a post that he had. And I, I was like, ah, oh, I should get this guy on. This guy sounds like he'd be someone I need to talk with. So... Lo and behold, I did that, and he's here somewhere in the world, in the universe. But, uh, yeah, you know. So I'll probably put a thing like, you know, just start the podcast in like 13 minutes, and you don't need to listen to Rusty, unless you are. If you guys are listening here, uh, put in the comments, 
hardcore because you're a hardcore hardcore listener then i know i know who my real people are type in hardcore and then put your name be like yo hardcore billy because we know billy's hardcore and there we go we have him oh no and i can't hear him yet let's see we're, we're getting close we're getting close but he is here i feel this is like the, the best introduction i wish i had a an introduction this length when i go to a, a wrestling match <laughs> and they just start um yeah you know i've i've definitely had technical difficulties on many things so i i know what what it's like i know what technical difficulties are and i've had it i've had it where i've had guests on and i couldn't get my computer audio to work and it happens it's all part of the game Hello. there we go i can hear you now but i can't see you so we're halfway there but if i can hear you that, that's a good start <laughs> you can see me no i can't see you let me see if i can ask to start video maybe that'll help but i can hear you and since it's a podcast it should be should be a good start oh there you go and can you flip your phone like uh, on a side? And we're we're set. I can hear you. I can see you. And now I lost you. Oh no! Are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Maybe maybe you can put it back up the way it was. We'll just leave it like that. We got that. We know that works there, and so it's okay. I'm I'm cool with that. That works. If if that's there, <laughs> I like it. Um, so thank you for being here. Uh, I, I'm sorry there was some technical uh di difficulties, uh, but that's okay. Yeah, here I am, Stuart Brodian, musician, composer, vocalist, recording artist, actor, celebrity impersonator, the Howard Stern guy, uh, movie maker, TV host, radio host, TV show maker. Artist and world traveler. Have I missed anything? Probably. Uh, you, you didn't get to say a guest on the Public Access Podcast, which is what's up. Most but uh, so, right. Uh, but you are okay. So you said something, and you said movie maker, and my mind went to Windows Movie Maker because. <laughs> I, I used it so much and it's it's embarrassing sometimes to say that, but um it was it was a, a loyal, loyal dear friend of mine. And how I guess let's start off with that. How have you evolved with uh technological advances in making <clears throat> Uh, doing editing of sorts or uh, any kind of work of that, of, you know, editing music, editing your voice, editing video. When it comes to the technical stuff, I always leave it up to the experts. I, I don't do anything technical. Uh, with, with the movies and short films I've made and such, I may have done some camera work, but I do absolutely nothing with the editing. Recently, about a year or two ago, I released a film called COVID Thoughts. 
And I shot it just as the shutdown was ending. And it was just an idea, just for clips of me going about my day during the shutdown and just talking about whatever came to my mind, thus the name Thoughts. And I sent it all to my video editor, and he's the one who edited it. And without my asking, he has my music on file. So he used my own music as background. So written, directed, produced, blah, 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 all by me, except for the editing. You know what? That's the best, best spot. If like that's how I would be the happiest for anything that I do, being able to do everything except for the editing. Editing, I don't, I'm terrible at, and I know there's people who are way better than I am. And like you, there's a smart move. For some people, it's easier for them to shoot a film when they know how they're going to edit it. For people like me, well, maybe not people like me, but for me personally, uh, I don't want that concentration. I just want to shoot all the film. I mean, it helps for me to have an idea and such. And there have been some times where I've made some mistakes shooting some scenes. Um, my TV pilot, for example, the camera is pointed up at a person who's sitting down at a restaurant where it should have been upward looking down at them. But that was just my misinterpretation of a famous scene from a movie. But the person that edited it managed to make it work. So, I mean, so that's something very positive, having someone, uh, yeah, it's a different filter. And plus, I think editing, um, being able to look within it and not feel uh, like you're, that you're able to give something away and not just be hurt that, someone wants to change my stuff or like, I, I, you can't change. This is a, a beautiful masterpiece and I know everything is perfect and being able yeah, to yeah. let go of that. I have nothing but respect for people that can, that can handle all of that. And I've worked with at least one person like that. Yeah, there's there's a few here and there. And, uh, and so then where were you during uh, the shutdown? I always got to watch what I say with with that. What uh, were you in a state where it was everything was very shut down? Yes, I'm right here in Pennsylvania, and it's pretty much the same as the rest of the country. But I, I I was lucky. Um, the type of job that I do as a day job, uh, I like to say I'm, I live in a mansion, drive a Rolls Royce. No, I deliver pizza. And so then and, that um, was thriving. Well, it was interesting. I had to keep a, a sheet of paper on my dashboard stating that I was at work during this time. Um, other restaurants, other like sit-down restaurants and diners, they all shut down during the shutdown. So all the business spilled over into places like like uh, you know Domino's and Pizza Hut and and whatever. And uh, some people that I, I work with, they decided to leave the store. Because they, they, they did not want to risk bringing any diseases home to their, their family, and I can understand that. So me and the other remaining people, we took on extra hours. I, I went from about thirty-five hours a week to like over seventy a week. Oh, and so yeah. I mean, and the roads were pretty empty uh, for that. Yeah, something I posted on my Facebook page, like the first Saturday night that the shutdown happened. I was in an area where there's some bars and usually it's just crowded with people. 
And I'm sitting there and I feel I'm, I'm standing there like I'm the last person on earth. It, it definitely felt that way uh, in some of the places. And I'm, I was okay with it. I was, I was doing all right. Um, being, having, you know, space, dead, dead uh, areas were okay by me. And so, so I worked for Domino's. I was a delivery driver for Domino's for a good amount of time. Has that part ever gone into something you thought about creating with your uh, pizza delivery experience? Well, when I wrote uh, parts of my TV pilot, Double or Nothing, uh, some of the scenes actually were born out of some actual conversations. Uh, where, where do us TV writers get our inspiration? We get it from life. That's where we get it from. Right. And one of the things that the boss says to me and the pilot was something my real boss had said to me at my shop. And uh, I, I, I elaborated on it. I, I went into detail. I, uh, I I realized that the opinion that some people have of pizza delivery drivers, and it's, it's not the most positive image. I, I can understand because this is definitely not a job where you need a college education. Um, but I, what I think the public doesn't understand is that these people uh, do have their act together. I mean, you need some intelligence to figure out how to read a map, for example. And Very I've been much. doing this job long before anybody had little GPS things in their pockets. Yep. Yeah, you got to know there is usually a map right by where you go and you grab the pizzas. I worked in a few different yep. pizza joints and there's big map on the wall and i got to know every little nook and cranny know how to always take right turns everywhere like set up the route that yeah. way if i have multiple deliveries where the cops hide out and so forth <laughs> right you know what the cops really did not i swear the pizza delivery guys can get away with anything um i, I don't sometimes know sometimes we do because yeah sometimes i've sometimes we don't Okay, well, yeah. I mean, I I've seen people even like when, when I'm just not working and I see someone in a pizza thing, I see them flying down the road and you know, right by a cop, and I just think, well, you know, I hope someone understands. You know, this food needs to get there because it's going to be so it can be hot. So, uh, but yeah, I've always, I don't know, and I, I very fondly looked back on my days of delivering pizzas. Um, I met some, I would hang out with all the people that I worked with. It was, uh, it was sure. an interesting time. One person ended up being a weirdo, but what can you do? That's, that's life. Right. I get that. Half jokingly, I, I call this job the perfect field trip for any sociology student. Which, because it takes you right into people's homes. You know, usually if you go to one of the poorer homes, maybe that live on welfare, they got to clean up once a month when welfare comes by to check up on them. But, you know, me, the pizza guy, nobody gives a hoot. Nobody really cares or thinks that I'm anything important. So, you know, they, they come to the door dressed shabbily or whatever. And, you know, I, that's when I get to see people as they really are. And, you know, you know, people think, oh, you always meet hot girls and you meet up with them after work. Uh, guess what? Yes, that happens. But that's the good part, let's call that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me get serious for a second. There's some other things that I see that I don't appreciate. Black, white, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. 
it seems to me everybody treats their animals and their children like dirt. And sometimes what bothers me the most is when I show up to a, somebody's home, the place reeks of the stuff. Of, of dog pee or cat pee? No, of marijuana. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there's a little kid walking around. That is what bothers me the most. Yeah. That's like I said, it was the perfect field trip for a sociology student. And I'm not really joking when I say that. Um, I was. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. Well, you, you, you smell that too, of course. And you, you worry about the living conditions. Even if there aren't children there, just the health conditions of the people living there, who, whomever they are. Right. I'll tell you one thing, though. Um, they, they, they say out of every bad experience comes something positive. For the longest time, I, a lot of my credit cards were maxed out, and I was just having lots and lots of trouble trying to get my balances down. During a shutdown, working twice, twice as many hours, and no place to go to spend my money, in less than a year, I cleared out three credit cards. That's awesome. I'm working 12, 12 hours a day, five days a week, and one half day and one day off. Um, you remember when you were in high school, you read about the muckrakers? And, and the, the stories they wrote about the packing towns. Uh-uh. That's all I could think of. Oh, well, that, that early 1900s uh, book writers, they, they were nicknamed the muckrakers because they exposed all the uh, terrible things in the meat packing industry and the food packing industry and such. Uh-uh. And, um, you know, for a lot of people, it was, it was just work and sleep, work and sleep, complete misery. And that's what it was like for me for several months, work and sleep, work and sleep. Um, but then again, what else would I do? I mean, where would, usually, uh, like after work, I would go out to a club and play guitar at an open mic or something, or the local casino has uh, bands playing every night, or they used to. Um, so that, that's where I spend my money on, on sodas or, or a bucket of fries or, or just a gasoline to get there. And um, I don't have cable. I haven't had cable since about 2009. Don't need I have nothing on television to watch. So I just worked, came home, slept, got up, went back to work half a day, and then my day off, I do laundry and sleep. But yeah. as, as, as the expression goes, I haven't any regrets because, as I said, I uh, cleared out three credit cards, and there's a convention coming up in Las Vegas in a few months where you can buy straight from the dealers wholesale. I got all these credit cards with all this credit. So I can buy tons of stuff wholesale and resell it on eBay and make myself a halfway decent profit. Ooh, what kind of stuff uh, are you looking? And, and anything, uh, clothing, jewelry, utensils, what have you. Just buy uh, in bulk. Yeah. So do you do that and, right and now as well? I'm sorry. Well, I mean... I pick up things here and there or I've accumulated things here and there over the years and been selling it on, on eBay. And, and that, that's anything from, you know, albums to <laughs> clothing that I bought and never bothered to wear. Yeah. Are you selling anything breakable? Are you shipping anything breakable? Well, if it is, I, I'm very careful in shipping it. So can I give you, let me give you, uh, I was going to say, can I give you, let me give you a, a tip. Uh, if you need shipping material, because that became the 
most expensive thing that I had. That my biggest expense was shipping material. Um, sure. If you go to an art dealer, like an art gallery, they they yeah. are just wanting to give this stuff away for free, like a whole bunch of, you know, um, like bubble wrap and packing sure. stuff and boxes. So if you ever need well, that, the radio station that I work at, we get CDs sent in all the time. So there's always a garbage can full of padded mailers. Beautiful. Okay. So, uh, so you're at a radio station, and so you have you have people sending in CDs. So is it? Uh, so I I don't know. I'm not sure about this. It is the WDIY Allentown 88.1 FM listener supported public radio. Oh, cool. Okay. So, uh, so are you there then for the, the drive? Uh, the, is there a, like a, a telethon or something of some point in the year? We have a couple of fun drives during the year and, you know, every DJ on the air, you got to do your pitch and so forth. Sure. I've been here since uh, August of 1995. Oh, okay. And so then, so people are still sending in CD. I guess back then, the 90, 95, maybe CDs. I guess they weren't really burn, burnable then. Or maybe they were. But so since 1995. And so, um, I mean, do you have people that are just sending stuff in, trying to get their name out? Or is this sure. like... Lots of people send their CDs. We're on subscriber list to distributor companies. Um, and sometimes me personally, if I don't meet with a band, somebody will send me something. And then there's bands that I kept in touch with over the years and such, and new bands and, and whatever. I've often said anything that gets into my hands is guaranteed airplay. And I, I realize radio is, is not as significant these days as it was 20 years ago because everything is on the internet. But then again, so are the radio stations. They are also on the internet. Right. And, and I could listen. Their old, their own, yeah. Sorry. As far as people doing their own podcasts or their own playlists, sometimes it, it, it helps to have a personality to go along with the music. Maybe the kids today would not understand that because they didn't grow up in that atmosphere. Um, anybody who's doing their podcast and they're listening in, throw in a little bit of yourself, a little bit of humor. A little bit of trivia, you know, this this is uh, the latest song by so-and-so, but years ago he was with this other band called Such-and-Such, and let me play the two songs back-to-back, -back. you know, things like that. Yeah. It, it gives you and your show a personality, and that's what uh, some people find the appeal in. Right, and I mean, if you've been at this station for a while, I'm sure that you have, you 28 know. years. Yeah. It's the I wasn't gonna think. I was like, "Oh God, it's not that." Okay, yeah, twenty-eight years. Um, I mean, the, the longest I ever held the job was was over at the Pizza Hut, and I'm still there after thirty years. In the same so you, store. wow, okay, and so you've been doing both, and so where where is the crossover? Where's the uh, mix on that Venn diagram between? Uh, delivering pizzas and being on the radio? Or is there? Is there a crossover? I mean, hardly anybody recognizes me from uh, from my voice 
you know, why Allentown as opposed to 695, please? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> 695 is a pretty good deal for that one, uh, for whatever that may be. And uh, but, um, but I don't, uh, I know before the interview, I asked you not to ask your question about my personal life, but let, let me just go into, into some brief detail. Uh, I don't hang out with the DJs after work. I don't hang out with my coworkers at the pizza place after work. Um, I hate to use the expression lone wolf because of the negative connotations behind it, but in some ways, that's that's kind of the life I lead. Um, proud or ashamed? I, I, I don't have an answer for that question. And that's that's just me as I am. I'm I'm one of those people that, that tend to go at their own pace, which makes some people uncomfortable. Right. And did I ask you a personal question? Is that what happened? No, no. I, I just went into that on my own because you, oh, okay. you mentioned that uh, you hung out with with your coworkers at Domino's. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but I mean that was twenty three years ago, 22 years ago, something like that. It's been, been a little while too. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, so then during the, the shutdown, I mean, it was kind of then business as usual. Where, so were the casinos open then? You said going, you're going to casinos. Oh. Casinos were totally closed. Yes. Wow. And so, okay. And then you and also, also at the radio oh, station at the radio station um, during the shutdown, we had to be germ conscious here too. So practically none of the DJs had any shows. Everything went by automation. Oh, uh, three or four people ran the station, but um, the computer has a lot of music pre-programmed into it. So there's jazz music, there's classical, there's pop music, and so forth. So uh, the, the computer is pre-programmed play these certain types of songs during certain hours. And uh, there, there's nobody announcing the songs, just, you know, either public service announcements or maybe some, uh, this is a non-commercial station, so we don't have advertisers. We have underwriters. Right. So, uh, and so the, the underwriting acknowledgements were pre-programmed into the computers as well. So... So were you not in there then at that point during the... That's right. Yikes. Strictly work and sleep. Day off, so... laundry and sleep. So then what was it like when they said, hey, studio's back up? Zoom, I was there. <laughs> First day. First day, have your, uh, I don't know, pen in handy. Uh, Backpack ready, your lunch. Uh, but I think you said you were an evening, is what I saw, right? Uh, like eleven to one or nine to eleven or I worked something. I shifts here at WDIY. I uh, I just got off my Thursday afternoon shift from one to four, and Saturday evenings from eleven p.m. until one in the morning. Okay, so I guess that's not too much different uh of a time and plus yeah and plus with the pizza 
hours. Pizza hours are probably some of the best hours uh, to work as far as if you have other things that you're doing or if you you go out and you're going to go uh, to a, a mic and bring your guitar and go go play. And so uh, so when you're out doing that, when you're out going to go play or do you have a number of places you like to go or do you have you know one place or do you just go wherever the the wind takes you to to strum i'm sure there are a few places that i favor but uh, for the most part yeah wherever the wind takes me or if you hear about a new open mic boom i'm there so, boom uh, i said i'm never happy unless i'm on stage that's cool and there's a uh, so what uh so are you singing and playing the guitar are you playing the guitar or you do is it acoustic electric uh it's acoustic guitar i play and sing there's also if there's a piano there i'll play that too uh i'll, I'll play and sing i'll mix it up known standards or obscure songs and of course songs that i've written i'm proud of the fact that uh some of the songs i've written had been used in movies. Uh, one was an independent film called Affairs, which is made locally here in the Lehigh Valley. Zeke Zelker uh, was a producer. Hello, Zeke. And uh, another one, it was sort of a major release. It was called College Debt. It's about these two guys that cook up this scheme to make money to pay off their college debt. It had one of the original village people in it. And it's also the last film to, made by uh, Celeste Holm, who was a starlet in the 1950s. Oh, I don't know if I can say starlet anymore because we're supposed to be politically correct. We can't say actor, actress, actor, but I'm out of the old days. Actor is male, yeah. actress is female. You're on this show. You can say whatever you, whatever is fine, whatever is fine by right. me. And uh, and so, I mean, what was well, I mean, what was that like to go and be able to? see where they put your music and like when you wrote that song did you have that sort of oh no no it, it was an old song that i'd written years before uh there's a club in new york city a jazz club called birdland uh, started by larry bird which has been called the uh um cornerstone of jazz not larry bird what was it larry i, I forget but the jazz artist last name of bird and I was there at an open mic one night and I played the song and after I got off stage, someone came up to me and he said that he and his friends are working on a film and that the song would fit in perfectly with a scene. Um, so he said, do you have a CDR you could send me? And I, I said, yeah, I didn't. I lied. <laughs> well, they say you got to lie in this business. Yeah. You had him on the hook. Yeah, I thought I could beat the odds. But um, the next morning I called an acquaintance of mine who had a studio in his basement I explained the situation to him, and I'm very thankful that he was able to get me in the studio that night. We recorded it in three hours. It took us an hour to mix. And the next morning, I sent the guy out to the CDR, and they used it. It wasn't a major release, it wasn't, and I don't know if it was a success or a flop. I've never seen the film. but oh, uh, You haven't got I, to I see that scene, that even? I had my music used in, in a film. Um, you, you didn't even see the scene? No, I didn't. That did not way, interest you? It's called College Debt. It stars Celeste Holm as grandmama or grandma and find a good luck to you. 
Graham, I'm uh, Larry Ver or Larry Johnson. It's it's a feeling of success, you know, uh, when when you someone something that you do is used for something. And folks, it doesn't have to be music. Let me give you one really good example. I was on this baking binge for a while. I uh, I, li I liked to bake cakes and I decorate them, and I bring them to work. Uh, one day, uh, one of my lady coworkers told me, she asked me if I could stop bringing them in because she was on a diet and she didn't need the temptation. But I had just baked two beautiful cakes. I just decorated them. Now, you remember I said I, I worked on eBay? You can sell the, the arts and crafts that you make, and they also sell foods, like, you know, prepackaged foods. Suppose baking is an art. So uh -oh. I put the two cakes up for auction on eBay, and somebody bought them. Someone on the West Coast. You shipped it across country. Yes. And just by coincidence, at work, they were throwing out this box. And it just happened to be the right size box. I put saran wrap over the top one. And I slid them in into the box. It fit perfectly. I mailed it off. The, the money that they bid on it was just about enough to pay for the postage. And they gave me positive feedback. That's amazing. That's to just to be able to have, yeah, someone way over there that is going to get use out of a cake that otherwise would have you know yeah, maybe probably. ended up yeah so what Ooh, do you do I, make? I, I i have no training as, as a chef or anything but i made food and somebody paid money for it so does that make you a chef so i guess i could sort of understand the delight of some master chef and some high-class restaurant that people pay money for what he does, or if you want this on an even smaller scale, uh, well, let's say you had a kid and you fed the kid and the kid enjoyed what you made for them. I mean, that's not being a rock star. That's just being normal. And I don't think enough people really get to enjoy that or really get to acknowledge that, that you make something for your kid and they like it, how important that is and how cool that can be just in itself. John Lennon, in one of his last interviews, you know, it was funny when he mentioned that they, he baked a loaf and he fed it to his kid and then be all eaten. And then like, well, gee, don't I get a gold record on knighthood? Nothing, he said. <laughs> <laughs> the rewards of housework, he said. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it seems like it's a... Uh... It's an all right thing. And so then the cakes you're making, what are you making? I mean, are you, uh, or what are you putting on top of them? What are you, what are you uh, decorating them with? It was, it was icing and then these, these little tubes that you squirt it out so you can make a design or whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was just being creative. I wasn't trying to prove anything. And uh, they, they weren't perfect, mind you. They weren't perfect, you know. Some of the edges might be a little burned or more often than not in the center, center of the cake would be this little volcano. Yeah, that's the surprise. That's that's the molten surprise there sometimes. I, I, I Maybe I baked it too hot, too short or whatever, but well, I would just pat it down with a knife and just cover it with icing. <laughs> yep. That's what the burn parts are for. That's what, yeah, yep. that's what the icing's for, to cover up those, those little... Uh, cracks and burn marks and everything. 
Yeah, they uh, as uh, well, am I blanking on his name right now? The Happy Little Accidents. The uh, what's that painter guy's name right now? The Joy of Painting guy. I can't think of his name, but uh, um, Bob Ross. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, Bob Ross. Uh, Happy Little Accidents. Uh, yes, yes. And so, okay, so behind you is that uh, it looks like a map, and I can't tell if that's like a piece of ribbon or a plane or something, but you said world traveler. Uh, there's, I see a lot of dots. Well, that's, a map the, that, that's a map of the world, and the, uh, the little dots are map pins, which shows uh, places from, from where we've heard of since we're on the internet. We hear from people from all over the world. And so every time that they call in you got you have the pins ready to go and um yeah every time we call in or hear correspondence or whatever and uh used to be the biggest deal in the world if you heard from someone in a different country now you, you carry the world in your pocket that's just amazing which is yeah it's pretty wild uh i was just talking with one of my other co-hosts about this and it's like it doesn't matter you know you could be you know in some other country yeah uh, you got i don't know uh uh india let's say india let's say india they yeah. love you over there and uh you yeah. know it's like I, how would you have found them or how would they have found you otherwise you know it's just exactly i mean uh with, with my my tv pilot when i first made it back in uh 09 i think it was I was looking up some stuff on the internet and I, I would send it out to anybody who would play it. And there's a channel 44 in Uganda, that's in Africa. And I sent them a DVD and they played it. Back then, and at, this is 2009, so this is uh, 14 years ago, biggest deal in the world to be played in another country, but now they can just download it from anywhere, from anything that I put it up on. And any country, anywhere, can play, any TV station can play it. In fact, well, I guess we don't need TV stations anymore because everything is on the internet. So, but some people still like to turn on the TV. Some people still like, I don't know, when I'm driving in my car, I still turn on the radio. I I like to kind of know what's what's going on. I, uh, I don't know. Well, I, I know, but uh, everything is on the internet. Um, the car that I bought recently... You can hear your telephone through the dashboard. So if you just click on something on the internet, it comes through your dashboard and wash my mouth out with soap. They don't need a radio anymore. There was an article I read where they're still going to keep AM radios in newer cars. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I'm a master in a dying field, I suppose. Well, I, yeah, I feel that in a lot of things right now. And not a master, but, uh, and I mean, there's, there's, you know, websites that you can play literally any radio station in the world. Just one website has every single radio station anywhere at the touch of a finger. As we're talking, I'm wondering what are the future of podcasts? Uh, you know, well, cause I don't know. I don't know, like with so much stuff, I mean... If I really wanted to, I could hang up my uh, my stuff, put it away. I could go in, get my voice, and 
put it on some AI thing and let AI just run automatically forever, give it the all the prompts and stuff it would need and let it just exactly run autonomously. It's and it's like that computer computer generated woman. I mean, all I would have to do is just uh, speak into a microphone, record whatever it is I'm going to say, and then tap up a picture of a male human, and then the computer would move its mouth and such to, to mimic me. And, you know, there's, there's always something coming along that will make everything popular outmoded or outdated. I mean, what you're doing right now with me here, um, if I were sitting in a room next to you right now, well, that wouldn't be much different than the cable TV public access channels back in the 1980s. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big public access TV guy. Uh, so. And uh, my, my TV show, uh, Brodian's Basement, is seen on public access in a few states here in this country and, and one overseas. Um, do you go to the studio to work on the stuff or is it you can just do it all from your house and send it in on a. I don't know, an email through Google Drive or something? It's sent electronically. Um, I show independent short films and music videos on my show. And I record uh, the introductions on my phone. And I send the introductions to my editing oh. guy. And then he edits it between the, the uh, short films and music videos. And then he emails me a link and I send the link out to different TV stations. And that's how I get my show around. <laughs> I There's like a lot of money that. in postage and DVD costs. Right. Uh, and I remember that too. And I remember having to bring, you know, a certain number of DVDs down to the station every month. I'd have to bring at least two down to the station every month. Uh, and then, I mean, yeah. So I, I was, then I'd go in there until, I don't in know, until I, I left. So that was, until 2018, 2019, I was still going up to the the station and uh, trying to produce stuff. But like the call-in shows were the ones that always were interesting to me because there was always wild stuff on there of, you know, like there was this one guy, uh, if you look him up, his name was Jim Spag, S-P-A-G-G. -G, and he was in Portland, Oregon, and then he was in, I want to say Atlanta and maybe somewhere else, but he'd do the craziest stuff you can imagine. And since it's public access TV, you can do that. And eventually he did something that made him, they had to shut him down. But <laughs> up until then, yeah. Uh, yeah, he found out what he couldn't do on, on public access TV. and uh, But he would have a call-in thing, but it would have his home phone number on there. So he'd have people just, you know, this guy that's doing all this wacky stuff, you know, people could just call him up and, I don't know. So do you have people like that uh, calling into your show at all? or? Well, no, but one of my shows now, since it's public access, it has to be non-commercial. But on one of my shows, I had a free giveaway. Years and years ago, I used to run an independent record label called Mountain Records. One of the releases was a cassette which compiled two songs each from five bands from New Jersey. 
And uh, recently on my cable TV show, I said I had a bunch of these extras, and I would play it in the background while I'm doing introductions to the, uh, to the music videos. And I said, for anybody who wants one, it's free. Just contact me and care of my show, and I'll send you one with no charge. Somebody contacted me. Uh, sent it out to them. They loved it. I mean, at least it gives me the peace of mind that I do have an audience, and that cable TV still has an audience. Yep. Uh, That's a fan for life. Yeah. That's re recently in Philadelphia, the Philicam, there was a meeting about the significance of cable television and such. And when I corresponded with the guy who contacted me from my show, I sent a copy of my correspondence to the station's programmer, you know, concrete proof that cable TV still makes a difference. Absolutely. And I, it's, there's, I mean, and yeah, public access TV was YouTube before YouTube was YouTube. And I, it's always that there's such a, strong I don't know that like the fact that you can get people in in Uganda watching watching your show and it can be whatever you want and it's literally besides doing one thing you can do whatever you want on the show and it's your show and have well, at it I, I prefer to keep it clean are you are you a clean? Uh, your all your shows are yeah. very clean. Yeah, I mean, I I know that I I gave my most most notoriety as a Howard Stern celebrity impersonator, but what I do on stage and how as Howard Stern is a lot different than what I do on camera on my cable TV show, and it, it's not even so much censorship issue. It's just good taste versus bad taste, and. I think I learned about life a lot from when I was 12. You know, if you said something dirty and everybody's like, yeah, that's pretty much people's attitude. I mean, some people enjoy the dirty stuff and that, that's, well, that's that audience. But for the most part, people just don't want to be entertained. They don't want to be offended. They want to be entertained. Right. Um, and they don't want to be talked down to like they're stupid or. Yeah. You know, I, I think today's humor relies too much on shock value as opposed to actual humor. You know, it, it's the shock value of, oh, they have the audacity to do that or to say that, as opposed to actual humor. In, in my TV pilot, there's like a, a commercial for the TV show, and it's, it's a restaurant commercial. Somewhere in the commercial, see an Elvis Presley impersonator next to a Howard Stern impersonator, king of rock and roll, next to the king of all media, and in the restaurant commercial, they both say, where you can eat like a king. There's nothing offensive about that. Right. Simple wordplay. People get the joke. An even better example. At, uh, my, my pilot episode was a trilogy. And in the first part oh. of the trilogy, it ends um, where you see a Marilyn Monroe impersonator and she's singing Happy Birthday, Mr. President. And you see the bubbles being blown, like it looks like from a bubble machine. Camera pulls back. And you see the bubbles are being blown by an Ozzy Osbourne impersonator with a little jar of bubbles. But at the time I wrote that, uh, the Osbournes was still on the air on MTV. Okay. And the coming attractions for the show, uh, there was a segment where Mr. Osbourne was saying to his wife that, you know, he can't have bubbles on the stage because he's the Prince of Darkness. 
So everybody says, you know, bubbles, you can't have bubbles. And there I have an Ozzy Osbourne impersonator blowing bubbles. You, you, you get the joke. Yeah. So, I mean. Did, did I say anything offensive? No. Did I say anything sexually connotative? No. Did I say anything, uh, you know, uh, not politically? No. I simply just took current events, applied some wordplay to it or some humor. And and, and I, I think I think people are afraid to, to do that because they're afraid of being called lame. It's a good point. Well, I say, well, I say, so what? Not wrong with lame. I can do what I want, and I get away with it, and people enjoy it. I'm living proof that you don't have to be offensive. And I wish the worst of the world would get that three of the six skulls. Yeah, and it seems yeah. There's, I mean, it's the same with a lot of things. You can only, I mean, there there has to be a reason for stuff. Like you can't keep trying to top something when it's gets so crazy like uh like i can put this into pro wrestling i guess um i mean you can get a ton of crowd reaction doing uh a headlock on a guy for three minutes but then you got some guy that will go and jump off of a ladder onto a bunch yeah, of yeah, barbed yeah. wire and glass, and then oh, the old get, get like, hey, hey, cool. Well, everybody's afraid to do some of the old style jokes. You know, you, you can't say ethnic jokes. You can't say misogynistic uh, anti-woman jokes anymore. The only thing you can say, I guess, is, is dirty humor, and they think that's all they can rely on. I, I, they just don't know any better. I mean, I'm glad Two Broke Girls is off the air, because this show just really pushed the envelope too much. Um. I've tried no watching the Kardashians. Um, I wasn't able to follow because they kept bleeping out everything. And I don't remember seeing anybody smile on that show. How, I asked a coworker, how do you watch this garbage? And she says, well, because I'm glad it's not my family. Uh, um, I guess that's the audience that it has. I don't know. I mean, I've often joked around. If I, I said if I want to watch a TV show where people are backstabbing each other, I would go watch a rerun of Mama's Place. Sure. And I mean, in everything you listen to and watch and whatever, your subconscious brain doesn't know the difference if it's, uh, you know, a, you know, joke or, you know, whatever the Kardashians is. Like, it doesn't know, like, it thinks that that's part of what your reality is and it's like the negativity of it all is going into yeah. your consciousness subconsciousness we've begun to accept this uh as the normal and uh, that's, that's a very sad statement on society mtv's real world they, the first season was more or less a complete disaster uh the second season which took place in uh, southern california they, they had things more together and here's what I like best about the second season of MTV's Real World. You got to see the cast members grow as people. Uh, one fellow went a little too far with one girl and they kicked him out. And the production staff decided to let the uh, cast members choose their own new roommate. I don't think that's ever been done before in any reality show, not before, not since. 
I don't think so either. And having people show responsibility as, as mature individuals. And there, there was one of the one of the girls. There were two girls named Beth, but the uh, uh, the, the not so skinny one, Beth. Uh, she grew as a person. She was always shy and such. But at the end of that season, they all went to play, to play paintball, and she won. She was the winner. And that that was the beauty of the second season of MTV. You, you saw at least one person grow as a person. What's wrong with showing that? I mean, in in its basic form, it's a story arc, and it's what everyone wants to see deep down when anyone tells a story. There has to be some reason to root for someone and not just have an antagonist or a group of antagonists. Yeah. Sure. And uh, this is controversial. Two broke girls was uh, a, a show called Big Bang Theory. And just by sure. chance, I, I came across uh, uh, the first five seasons on DVD. So I binged watch it. And even though you, know, you, you get the side from the dirty jokes and such, uh, you saw the characters develop. And that, and, and to me, that's part of what sometimes makes good programming. I mean, I mean the, the characters in The Simpsons have stayed constant for well over 20 years, but uh, the character named Howard, for example, in, in Big Bang Theory, in the first few seasons, he's this you know sleazy womanizer, but by the end of the fifth season, he finally marries his girlfriend. Him grow as a character. Yeah, and like uh, The Simpsons, I didn't even think about that. I mean, yeah, they. It's been, I mean, yeah, however many years now, 30 something. So that's uh, yeah, 34 uh, years. Four years. Yeah, of no, not no aging, no growth, just same old formulaic uh, jokes. Well, that, that, that's the beauty of, of cartoons. You know, the characters don't, don't have to age, they can right. be the same forever. But I mean, they should grow though at some point. But I mean, if the audience isn't calling for it. The Flintstones, they grew as characters. I was reading an analysis of this. Uh, when, they, when the cartoon first started, it was just Fred and Wilma, Betty and Barney. Then comes Pebbles, then comes Bam Bam, then comes Dino. Then, yeah. And uh, one analogy I read about it, it's like uh, the next season where we get to see Fred coping with being a new father. That's where the character grew. Um, so I, I think that's part of what made the, the show popular, that, that it developed, and, and, and the addition of new characters, you know, the, the Great Kazoo and the Hat Rocks and, and Creepleys. Uh, it, it added variety to it. So uh, I think things like that can add, add to the uh, popularity. Getting back to my TV show, uh, when I was talking about things like with stereotypes and such, isn't part of it yet, but it, it's what I plan for once the show gets into full production, double or nothing. Um, it's going to take place at a cable TV station, and there's going to be three of the characters will be these three geeks, these technicians. Um, one Asian, one Hispanic, and one African American. But they all dress, act, talk, and look exactly the same. The only difference if you're part of the expression, is their skin color. Whereas we keep seeing the same old stereotypes with the Asian being all, you know, techno and, you know, the, the black person being all I is, I got, and I get, you know, groove and type of thing and, and so sure. forth. 
and the hot fluffy Mexican or whatever? No, they're going to be exactly the, the same. And I got that idea one time I was in Brooklyn, walking around, and I hear somebody talking with this really thick Brooklyn accent. I'm looking around, I can't see who it is. Finally, I saw the person who was speaking with a really thick Brooklyn accent. It was an Asian man. Okay? That kind of snapped me out of it. That kind of woke me up. That's one of the goals that I'm trying to achieve, or that I will try to achieve with my new show, Double or Nothing. I've already made a pilot episode, but I just want to um, you know, expand it into a full season. And not to sound like an advertisement, but yes, I do need investors. Well, then, yeah. oh, sure. So then, are so you doing? Are you doing the casting then and finding? I'm doing the casting. Uh, many of the major parts have been cast, and I have some side parts that I've been casting. Locations have been scouted and secured. Now all we need is the finance. The guy who edits my TV show, he'll be the uh, videographer and the editor. I got the production staff. I got the actors. I have locations. Just need to finance. Just need. I need to find someone who believes enough in the program. That's her. Hopefully, and, one and of these. Make money from marketing. You know, T-shirts and whatever. Yeah. And so then, are are you filming in Pennsylvania? Is that where? For the most part, yes. Yeah. In the, in the original pilot, it starts in in Pennsylvania, but gradually progresses over to Brooklyn. Uh, the revamped version that we're working on will more than likely primarily take place in Philadelphia. Um, so. But uh, it, it's about a local actor who starts a comedy variety show on public access television using celebrity impersonators. And it mixes comedy with drama, and the comedy and drama comes from the main character, played by me, uh, balancing career, a day job, and life itself. So then do you have a, a lot, do, I don't know, do you have a lot of, I don't know if you, there'd be friends or acquaintances, the, like the whole list of other impersonators. Oh, yeah. well, but we all network with each other. So I have an endless supply of talent. And you can make some really odd combinations of people um, that, of I course. mean, like you were saying with uh, Ozzy Osbourne and, um, and Marilyn Monroe. And Marilyn Monroe together at the same point and same time. Where else can you do that? Exactly. I mean, if you would see the pilot where I'm pitching the show, I would say to the program director at the cable TV station, imagine Retro Marx meets Lou Costello. See, and yeah. I, mean, I like that. I mean, just, just those words itself is funny. And you see what I just did? I made you laugh. I didn't say anything offensive or, or misogynistic or whatever. Or nothing racial, nothing dirty, right? And yeah, everyone has their own interpretation. Yeah, exactly. it's not some in-your-face, this is the only way you can interpret this joke. Yeah. It was let your mind do it, and you're going to get to a spot. People are going to get to different spots. But it went... you can even throw in something intelligent. Uh, last month, I did a stage reading of a short play that I did. I, I did it with other people reading their short plays. It's called Tyranny. Thomas Jefferson reacts to January 6th. I was playing Jefferson. 
and we see Thomas Jefferson reacting to the events of, of January 6th. He's then joined by Abraham Lincoln. Then they're joined by Franklin Roosevelt. Then they're joined by Barack Obama. Mixes in science fiction with reality, and they all discuss things pertaining to that from their points of view. And, and it wasn't a screaming match as you expect to see these days. They think drama is reality. No, it was just an intelligent conversation from their own points of view. And there is one slight little conflict, of, if, if any, of Jefferson owned slaves, Lincoln freed the slaves. So there's some slight commentary between the two of them. I showed this to a historian, a professional historian, and he said that's a good call. But it's not like I hate you and you hate this. No, it's not that kind of confrontation. Right. Um, Lincoln points out during a conversation that there was a revolt of African-Americans in 1831, whereas Jefferson says, had my proposal to end slavery been adopted, there would have been no need for a revolt. A simple, intelligent conversation. Right. And I think conversation, especially intelligent conversation, is something that a lot of people now are afraid to embrace. And it seems that there's little gray area for a lot of discussion. And it's either I'm right or you're wrong. Yeah. There's there's no true. getting to no yin's yangs, none of that. Plus they're afraid of being taken out of context. Let me give you an example, something I discussed on another show. Black person goes on a talk show and says, all black neighbors are dangerous. Everybody says fact. White person goes on a talk show and says, all black neighbors are dangerous. Everybody says racist. Why? They both just said the exact same thing. Here's the difference. If someone from a group of people says something terrible about that group of people, that's their business. Someone from outside a group of people says something terrible about that group. Doesn't matter if it's true or false. It will always be taken as an insult. More so if a white person says it about a black person. Why? Because Asians and Hispanics, for example, were not brought here as slaves. There weren't laws against teaching Asians and Hispanics how to read or write. There weren't laws against Asians and Hispanics owning property, things like that. So right. if I call a Mexican lazy, it's not as bad as calling a black person lazy. You know what I'm saying? Very much so. And they're both expensive, but there's 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 reasons why it's a bigger deal for one race as opposed to another. But this is what I just said. You just saw what I just said. I'm explaining something. This is what people are afraid to say. People are afraid to speak their mind. Well, it, a lot of it has to do with it isn't what you say, but how you say it. If you can present it in an intelligent form instead of trying to, like you said, come up like I'm right and you're wrong. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that, are, that will argue with good points against anything I just said just now. And I'd be willing to hear it. I'd, I'd love for someone to say it like, like, please tell me what your thing is and we can at least, you know, hear each other out. And, you know, of one of us might we both see like with the joke like uh you tell uh, uh about the uh 
Marx and uh, who would you say? I'm losing it. I'm losing my Dr. mind Martin today. Costello? And Costello. Um, people are going to interpret it every such way, every such way you can think of, and sure. it's all how everyone interprets it. And then that's what talking about it. If you're not talking about it, is just everyone interprets it their way, and there's no. There's no nothing that can progress. It's just stuck. It's either you're going to like this or you're not going to like it. And let me let me give an example of, of what might be a closed-minded argument. Um, like if a black person says there's no hope for the black man because of all the racism and prejudice and he can't get a job if he wants one, a closed-minded person might say, "Oh yeah, what about a dark-skinned guy becoming president? Or what about a dark-skinned woman like Oprah coming out of a poor Chicago neighborhood having her own network?" But uh, these are people who ignored certain things. And there's certain things you can't escape from, no matter who you are, no matter how successful you are. And I, I want to point this out. Oprah Winfrey, uh, I saw her as a guest on someone else's talk show, and they were talking about society. And she says she still hears it. Still hears, when are you going to quit acting white? There are people who will work against you, no matter who you are, no matter what you do. They're going to find something to try to work against you. How do you deal with it? Sometimes you can deal with it, and sometimes you might be in a situation where you cannot deal with it. But I think at least the other side knows what the first side is up against. Not just white racists. Black communities up against other blacks who don't want them to, to, because they don't feel it's proper. It's like you're not showing that you've suffered enough. Uh, I, I heard about uh, Chuck Berry when he started getting successful. Instead of rallying behind him, a lot of the other blacks called him a sellout. Which, um, yeah, I mean, it's... But, but, but he didn't give in. He didn't give up. No, he, he kept touring and recording till his dying day. He kept enjoying his life. But, you know, there's some people who will give up or some people will be forced to give up by some bad elements. And, you know, that's not black people. That's everybody. Because there's plenty of times I was in a bar and, and the guy was talking about how, how good he was doing with some friends. And they started punching him saying, quit being Jewish. These are white people. So you find that mentality in all skin colors. Yep. Stop being an American. Maybe that's what some Arabs might some say, say to each other. Yeah, that's that's the kind of mentality and you know how you deal with it is how you deal with it. Whether you give in, whether you keep fighting, you change the atmosphere, or or I'm sorry to say, sometimes the bad people win. And then what happens then? I mean, they just hope the next person does it better. People can well, learn that's from that's it. When the first person fails, and a lot of good people of all races are lost. And, and there's people who work against you, even if, it, regardless of skin color. We've all heard stories about these different people who invented cars that didn't need gasoline, and something terrible would happen to them, or they yeah, disappear. The, yeah, they all all uh, and, accidentally. And that has nothing to do with religion or race. Yeah, they all accidentally. Um, 
shoot themselves in the back of the head four times and uh or there was that one guy yeah who said i drank i they poisoned me it came out of i think he yeah that guy yeah and yeah there's there's been a number that that, that had nothing to do with religion or race or gender or anything nope that was just people out there who will work against you for whatever reasons I think that's one thing parents should explain to their kids instead of saying things like, oh, just let them go figure out for themselves or let society handle it. You're going to have kids, you better know something about the world. Yeah. And know how to exist in it, even. Even maybe not, I mean, I guess existing is succeeding in the world. Um, I, I would say there's no shame in asking, but for some people there is shame in asking for advice. That's, that's just the way some people are. But this Puerto Rican girl I worked with, um, she had this strange mentality. And a lot of people think like this, I guess, in, in that neighborhood, where first you get pregnant and then you find a guy to feel sorry for you and then marry you. And I was trying to convince her, no, I was reminding her of the old nursery rhyme, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby in a baby carriage. And after she left, I was discussing this with some of the other co-workers, some of whom were Puerto Rican. I, I said something that one girl said, she's surprised I said that, the Puerto Rican girl, and said, like, you know, she was telling me there's nothing you can do with that mentality. And I said, yeah, but that kid's going to grow up without a father and end up blaming me for my skin color. For doing absolutely nothing, and you know, for, for, for you know, for, for letting a mom get pregnant, that uh, that having you know, got first getting married and such. But these are mentalities in some neighborhoods, and, and it's not just black or Puerto Ricans. You know, you, you got sure. the so-called white trailer parks. You, know, you, you pregnant again? You know that type of thing. You know, us, us whites are just as terrible as anybody else. Yep. And I don't problems too. Yep. And hopefully, I mean, hopefully, there's enough people of, you know, whether it be more of one group or less of one group. As long as there's, you know, the numbers I assume aren't going to be all even, but as long as there's yeah. a good majority of people headed towards understanding and conversation. I think that's it's success in where society's headed and that they're open to ideas. Well, there's more to the internet than showing Kim Kardashian's backside. <laughs> right. Right. A little bit. Yeah, look at me. I want to go out and change the whole world, but unfortunately, I know it's popular. But uh, the only well, thing I can say is the next time you see uh, something about Kim Kardashian or, or somebody's wardrobe malfunction, whatever, don't click on it because, you know, the, the advertisers on these sites, on these news stories, you know, they get the recording of what, of how many clicks they got, but people see that these stories don't get any clicks on them, then they're going to stop doing these stories. It's as simple yeah. as that. People think the word boycott means you buy something just so you can talk against it. No, boycott means not buying it. And when I go through Yahoo News and see all these stories, I don't click on that stuff. 
I, I, the stories I click on are NASA lands a probe in an asteroid millions of miles away, or you know, or new species that was thought to be extinct found living somewhere. Now that that's the stuff I click on. That's that's the interesting stuff. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, you're you're, uh, you're paying with your or you're voting with your dollar more than anything else, and or, or what or you know, you're your, your dollar. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so you know, plenty of websites listing stuff you shouldn't buy because of whatever politics of the company or whatever garbage they they put into the food. Well, look on these websites and stop buying this stuff. Yeah, uh, it, it's not, stop looking at it. I don't it. need that much chocolate, but when I do want to buy chocolate, I look at the package, and if the chocolate is processed with alkali, I won't buy that product. Alkali is a chemical used when processing wood pulp in the paper. And a, a news story that I heard on NPR years ago, one company in Florida, the runoff from that company went into this lake for, for decades and they discovered that the reproductive organ of the male alligators that inhabit that lake over the decades suddenly got smaller. Well, the alkali. Yeah. So uh, if that's what it does to a wally gator, I ain't touching it. Right. And I mean, there's in so many other countries, there's so much stuff that, you know, we can't. In like, so many other countries, they won't buy certain foods in America, made in America, because of the uh, genetically modified organisms, GMOs. Yeah. And, uh, or, or homeborn injected beef. If these foreign countries will not buy these products from the United States, or they, they won't allow it into the country, and I don't blame them. Uh, I don't need this garbage poisoning the people's systems. No, I mean, it's, yeah, especially when it's not their country. Yeah, you know, yeah. importing some that's... I, I was at a candy shop, and there's a special section that has Coca-Cola bottles from Mexico. Why? Because Coca-Cola made in Mexico uses sugar, whereas Coca-Cola made in the United States uses corn syrup or artificial sweeteners. Tastes a lot and different. Saccharin years ago because it caused cancer. Right. And I I don't know why they haven't for a lot of this other stuff, all these other artificial sweeteners and uh vegetable oils and stuff of that nature. And well, some say because it's cheaper, others say because they got the politicians in the back pocket passing laws to allow them to do this stuff. Yeah. And it makes people a lot more help. Yeah, a lot more docile with pumping them full of stuff that's going to make you lethargic and um yeah you know I mean, going to the doctor with all these problems like autism or whatever it's because of the garbage you eat while pregnant with them right yeah there's i mean it's just such readily available crap it's just yeah. and yeah i mean yeah the it's not just even going back 50 years you i mean this it was a lot a lot different and then and then like all of the supplements that we have to take because they take all like you go into any other country they don't have supplements it's they keep it it's right in the food already 
everything's done everything's done naturally right i'm told in the 50s there were these pills going around that uh, they're called uh, fertility pills women were taking them and then 30 years later they all started having these health problems because they took the fertility pills but what about the kids who were born from these fertility pills? What kind of health problems are they going to develop? My mother didn't take that kind of stuff. I mean, I was born in 1961. I'm so glad my mom had the common sense not to take that garbage because you know, she didn't develop these problems because she didn't take this, these these pills. And I'm fairly healthy because you know, the woman that was pregnant with me, my mom, didn't have this in the system. Therefore, it did not go into me. And that's why I don't have these problems. Look at me, 61 years of age. How do I look for, for 61? Pretty bad, good. Right? Yeah, pretty good. I wouldn't have guessed 61. I, I don't my hair. This, this, yeah. is, this is my natural color. And uh, we'll go yeah, through the gym three times a week, and I can still put a 100-pound barbell over my head. And I, I'm not some super weightlifter or whatever. I'm, I'm a skinny guy, but we'll do some things. Right. And, yeah, you're... Watching what you do with your body. Never smoked, never drank, and I never tried anything illegal. So, so, so then, I mean, so when you're going to the bar, you're, you're drinking soda, you said, right? I think is what you said earlier. Um, Mixture of cranberry juice and orange juice. No way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So when, when I moved, uh, back in uh, November, everywhere we stayed at was, I made sure there was continental breakfast. The first day I, they had cranberry juice and orange juice and I started drinking that together. And why is that not a drink? That needs, there should be called something. It's maybe we'll call it the Stuart. Because that yeah. is, I, I think it's time. Uh, the the world needs, it should be like a, you know, a winter drink or something. It's It seems nice and uh, warm and. The teetotaler. <laughs> I like it. Oh, there it is. So now there's, now there's a name for it. And I, yeah, orange juice and cranberry juice. It's quite the concoction if. Uh, now, now you now you have it. Now you know that. Now everyone knows it, and I hope that someone can make a healthy version of that drink to be able to pass around without artificial sweeteners, please. Without the artificial sweeteners, and well, we're gonna have uh, that. Maybe that's what needs to happen. We're putting this into the world right now. Somebody, somebody gets to make it, and uh, it can be called a teetotaler and. Yay, I saved the world. Yay. <laughs> they saved the world through orange juice and cranberry juice. That that's how I'm so it, we great. did it. That's so great. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um jeez. Uh, so there there was that that movie. What or was it his family? It wasn't the it was his family. Stuart saves his family or the the one that's the what's his name? Al Franken, the SNL thing from like probably 30 years ago, I think. But I don't know. It, it might be it's the world or his family. But you're saving the world now because you, you put that drink out into the universe. 
and I'm happy that someone else is drinking that drink. And so where can people throw you money to give you money for this drink to go and be able to also fund your your ventures? Okay. Uh, PayPal address is Stuart at Brodian.com, S-T-E-W-A-R-T. My website, if you want to research me, is Brodian.com, B-R-O-D-I-A-N. Um, you can hear me Thursday afternoons or Saturday evenings on WDIY, WDIY.org. Uh, and Yes, I'm a, I still work as a Howard Stern impersonator, so I still work for anything from corporate functions to private parties. Out, out or, or in? Even, uh, out Pennsylvania. Or, no, I, I do travel. Or e even uh, even just an email video greeting, I can do that too. All right, I love it. Um, hey, thank you so much, Stuart. I really enjoyed getting to talk to you, pick your brain and chit chat about not knowing what we we're going to talk about to where we got to and what we got to learn about you and, and everything. And I think people are going to like well, this. I'm, I'm glad I was able to share some ideas with you and your audience. And I, I appreciate the opportunity very much. Absolutely. And uh, have an uh, awesome rest of your day. And stay in touch, okay? Thanks, you too. Take All care. Right. You bet. Bye-bye. All right. Stuart Brodian. Man, uh, I like talking to that guy. I probably would have talked longer. I started getting hungry. I don't want to get hangry on radio. So, and I have to make dinner. I should have made dinner earlier. But, and I can't open the window because we got the red death smoke coming in here. So I can't cook Indian food like I want to cook tonight. So I hope, I hope I can do that. So if I can pull that off now, but thank you everyone for listening here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network. Check out Stuart, like, subscribe, share, hit the bell, do all the other stuff, leave a comment and get a hold of Stuart. I guess it's more of the important part than this show. So thank you everyone for listening. And that is the show. Man, Stuart, sorry for the swearing. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right?